What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Episode 101. Once again, I'm pretty good, Graham. Good. Pretty good. We got some nice cooling temperatures out there now. It is a little cooler. I walked out of work today, and I was like, what is it, like 80 degrees? Yeah. Lack of humidity. Comfortably wearing pants outside again. Not feeling like you're roasting. Yep, so that's been phenomenal. Um, sure. Feels like football season a little bit. Yep. Feels like October playoff baseball. Mm. Feels like, uh, you know, basketball's coming up, coming up in oh. a bit. You know, feels like the United are in maybe in the second half of their season now. Yeah. Something like that. Sure. So, yeah. it's going well. Yeah, good. Oh, I got hit by a car on my bike the other day. Jesus, God. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? Yeah. Well, you're here, so I yeah, guess, it, was I guess it wasn't too bad. I took out some, some lady. I was passing her on her right, which might be illegal. Mm. And uh, she turned right into a restaurant in North Highlands. Did you flip over? I didn't flip over, but I, I'm pretty sure I took her mirror off her oh, car. But she was just like, yeah, okay. I'm like, yeah. And she just left. We both went on with our lives. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you fall over? Uh, not fully. Stop yourself. Yes, that's good. Yeah. So the podcast can go on, Graham. Okay. Well, I figured that, you know, you're here. It wasn't, it must have not been the uh, worst thing in the world. No, no, no. We made it through. That's good. Just like the Braves are trying to make it through and clinch the NL East, uh, by the time you all hear this, we probably will have uh, clinched the division. Uh, the magic number is down to one. Braves stand at 94 and 60, nine and a half games above the Washington Nationals with the rest of the division. Totally screwed. Um, Braves lost their first series since July 24th, Adam. Dropped two or three of the Phillies, salvaged the series today with a 5-4 victory and a businessman special, as you like to call it. Uh, general thoughts on the Braves after enduring the gauntlet of Phillies Nationals, Phillies Nationals, and coming out of it, I'd say pretty damn successfully. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we went into it up like four and a half and come out up like ten and a half, something like that. I'd say it's pretty damn successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can't complain too much after losing your first. I think it's been 15 series or so. Yeah, since we have a loss, I think it's 11 0 and four since July 23rd. Played some damn good teams too, in terms of you know the Nationals, the Dodgers. Um, that's it. I guess the Phillies you could say are decent enough. So the, the Phillies have been playing a lot better. Like they have. If they had. Played how they did those first two games against us, they'd still be in this thing. As Chip Carey likes to point out on every single damn broadcast. You just can't take out the human element of baseball. No, he likes talking about what the Braves did versus the Marlins versus what the Phillies did versus the Marlins. It does make a big difference. Phillies were like 7 and 9 versus the Marlins. Yeah. But I mean, they had a winning season against us. The Phillies did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. Um, we would have had to win the last two games tonight, so I think they were like ten and eight against us or something mm. like that. Um, but some fresh concerns, Graham. I do have to say there are a lot of concerns going around. Um, um, I mean, even though I think we you know did res- respectable enough in this uh, in this Phillies Nationals Phillies Nationals, it was like the last ten games sitting at five and five. It wasn't like we were you know out there performing like we did in that stretch where we win 19 of 23 but you know you can't expect that to be sustainable over the entire season uh it's been a hell of a grind and uh a very traumatic weekend for the Braves for sure yes indeed we um I guess last week we discussed losing Camargo correct we didn't know if Camargo was you know screwed we thought he'll be back in a few days just then we learned it's a hairline fracture. But of course, the day we're releasing the podcast, once again, we're woefully out of date. Yeah, pretty, True professionals. Pretty, uh, you, as professional as our 100th episode, having like some of the shittiest sound quality that we've put out in a while. And it was a good episode, too. That's the, that's the <laughs> bad part. I mean, if you, if you just bumped it up really loud, hopefully you, uh, you, you heard enough of the, well, the two-hour show. Then you could hear you, and then I'd be screaming. Yeah, I'd be like, like, yeah, so the Braves are uh, you know, doing this. And Adam's like, oh, I really think that these motherfuckers here. And it's like, Jesus. And I was noticing that when I was editing, and I was like, well, you know, what, do you, what can you do? That's the way point? she goes sometimes. Yeah. We're not going to redo it. Exactly. Um, anywho, yeah, so Camargo is... 
officially out there saying there's a small chance he could come back. I don't want to hold your breath. Yeah. I mean, a hairline fracture ain't a fracture, but it's nothing to sneeze at. So, I mean, we lost him, and then everyone's favorite utility player, Charlie Culberson, got bashed by a baseball straight in the face. Trying to bunt. And the the weird part about that was it was 1-1 game on, uh, I believe, on Saturday afternoon against the Nationals. And pretty crucial situation. Had some runners on. Charlie's trying to bunt him over. This goes back to why we shouldn't bunt at him. You don't think we should bunt? I, I'm just I'm just being silly. Oh. You know, I like a lot of Saber matricians say it's oh, just yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, that's what happens all, all the time. Exactly. When you, when you, you try to bunt, it's just, it's just bad news. Yeah. Um, so Charlie's squared. Uh, can't remember pitcher, Fernando Rodney. He, he's trying to elevate the pitch because, you know, when a, when a guy's bunting, if you can elevate the pitch, they have a higher probability of popping it up. So, you know, it's a sound strategy, sure. But the problem with that was uh, he lost control of the ball and wound up just throwing it directly into Culberson's face. He couldn't get out of the way fast enough. And uh, he tried to pull his bat back, and he was... Uh, he tried to pull his bat back, and unfortunately, the ball nailed him right under his eye. Uh, multiple facial fractures. Luckily, no permanent damage to his vision or his eye. Um, but it was, it, was, it was quite harrowing. Blood on the field. And, uh, woof. It's a very, very tough thing to, to watch. And then we've got the Nationals manager, Dave Martinez. As Charlie Culberson is on the ground with blood gushing out of his face, uh, trainers all around him, carts coming onto the field to get Charlie off the field. Uh, Dave Martinez says that's a good time to appeal whether or not Charlie actually went around and swung, and he wanted it to be 0-1. Um, in fairness to Dave Martinez, he admitted afterwards that was a complete jackass move, uh, kind of in the moment type thing, apologized, apologized to Brian Snitker, who, Snit, of course, as he does with his players, defended them, went off on everybody. The yeah. umpires, Dave Martinez. That was great. I, uh, I honestly, I had woken up the next morning and I was pretty, uh, was pretty hungover. And so I was like delirious and I was watching the video and everything of, of you know, what happened again. I just see, uh, you know, Snit out there just saying just over and over again to both the umpires, the crew chief and the, and the, and the home play umpire just says, just fuck both of you, fuck both of you, fuck you too, fuck both of you. You just kept saying that over and again. It's like, this is bullshit. I mean, it, it was sort of like every other word was kind of, you couldn't hear, but he clearly said, fuck both of you over yeah. and over again. And I got a little choked up because I was like, man, I'm, I can't sleep. I'm really hungover. And this man is just going all out for his his guy again. It was just a really beautiful display, uh, vulgar display, which I highly appreciated. <laughs> and uh, it was just one of those moments where you felt – Proud as a Braves fan, that's your that's your manager. Regardless of how you think, you know, Snit handles the bullpen or this, that, or the other, uh, you can't deny that he loves his guys and will do anything to protect them. And I think that goes a long way in you know building the camaraderie of that that great clubhouse uh, chemistry. You know, it's really important, and you can't you can't uh, you can't quantify that. It's a, it's a great thing. And uh, Braves wanted to win that game ten to one. Uh, for some reason, Martinez leaves. Rodney in, and he struggles. Acuna gets a big double and uh, winds up giving like th- about three or four more runs. Braves, Braves cruise from there. But I think the team is reeling a little bit from the loss of Culberson because they haven't looked like themselves since then, which is understandable. You're also in the dog days. You've gone through a, a big gauntlet of games where you know, you're trying to destroy your division opponents, and they're trying to, you know, especially the Nationals, you know, who are still fighting for a playoff spot or, or giving you everything you got. And you take three or four from the Nationals at home. You know, the Phillies are playing better baseball. Uh, they got to be exhausted. They got to be exhausted and they got to be emotionally devastated after what happened to Culberson, who's been who's an integral part of this team. Well, if you saw the lineup today, being Thursday, we had the business, businessman special that you spoke about earlier. Sure. Uh, Snit finally like rested a bunch of guys. Um, so glad to see Josh Donaldson get a day off. Josh Donaldson got a full day off. Riley played uh, third. And hit a homer off Nola. To right. That was very promising to yeah, see. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, Hechevarria played for Dansby. Dansby, who's been struggling awesome. Awesome. really badly. And it goes back to before he got hurt. Um, 
Duvall played for Marcakis. Joyce got a night off. Um, and Snit was saying after the game in his post-game interview, which we ended up winning today, that we, we got enough offense today. Uh, Acuna hit a huge bomb, the Riley bomb. Freddie had a clutch hit. And um, Snit was just saying he could tell after the game last night, okay, now's the time to get these guys some rest. He said he he just had a gut feeling. Oh, now he, he feels like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> he said he could just tell after last night. He's yeah. like, okay, that now's now's the time. Whatever happens tomorrow happens. Right. Let's get some fresh bodies in there. And you got to think once, um, once we clinch, which it's going to happen this weekend. If it doesn't, I'd be barring shocked. something catastrophic. Yeah. Those guys are going to get a couple days here and there, without a doubt. I should in, in the last so. week of the season. But you don't it, you don't want to just. Not play them. It's a tricky thing, and this is something that the Braves have struggled with for for years with some of their better teams. Has been, uh, you know, in the Bobby Cox era, it's like we clinch the division with like three weeks left in the season, and he'd like rest too many guys too often, try to get his rotation in order, and it seemed like we'd play teams in the division series who were fighting to the end, and they were jacked up, and we were sort of oh waking up for a nice long ten hour sleep, and then before you know it, we lose in either swept or losing four or five games. You know, it's, it's just like those guys just had the eye of the tiger and the eye of the tiger for us had been taken out because there was no impetus to give it your all at that point because everything was, was set in stone. So it's one of those things where I hope even if we, uh, you know, even when we clinch the vision, if it's as soon as this weekend, that we, you know, like you're saying, balance it out. Give Acuna rest, give Albies rest, give Freddie rest, Donaldson, mix and match a little bit, but... You know, just a game or two. Yeah, just a game or two. Don't have you know. Just just be very careful about how much time you, you uh, how much time off you. I mean, these guys play every day, like literally uh, another day off after an off day, something like that. Right. That's something enough like for that. them. That's, that's enough. That's for perfect. Them. And then like throw it. Let a Kyle Wright get a start. Who looked damn nasty last night. His last couple of appearances. Yeah. Kyle Wright coming mm-hmm. out of the bullpen. You still see the potential there for oh yeah his future with this team. Well, you think about a guy like Freed. I know Freed struggled recently, but. You, you saw that it was there, and now he, you know he's come into his own this year. And the, and the scary part with Freed is that he's nowhere nowhere near a finished product. He's very inconsistent. He'll have months where he's lights out. He'll have months where he really struggles. And I just can't, I can't wait to see him next year. You know, hopefully that's when you think you know third time's a term you put it together fully. Who would have thunk at the end of last season when he was struggling the way he did and was just a bullpen guy that he would be you know one of our better pitchers over the course? Of the oh, he was great. Season. He was great in the bullpen down the stretch last year. Right. But how, would you have thought that he would have been like a, a, a guy? I've, I've a, always been a match free guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just seeing him pitch in the bullpen last year, that's when I was like, okay, this guy's mm-hmm. legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he, I'd be uh, wrong to say that I thought he'd be this good. Although he's been struggling, he, he's another. He's yeah. one of my uh, concerns. I was going to bring up earlier. Yeah, he's uh, given up five earned runs in at least three of his last five starts. Uh, getting shelled too. Giving up. A lot of home runs, uh, you know, that Philly start a couple of, uh, not the last one, but the one before last, it seemed like he gave up four or five runs in the, or was that against the Nationals? That was against the Nationals, he gave up like a bunch of runs early, like the first inning, then he sort of settled down. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, you do something like that in the playoffs, you could be shit out of luck if a team's got their, you know, one of their hosses going. Yeah, I mean, I would just like to see him get a couple a couple extra days off before I, his next start. I would like to skip him in the rotation, his next start, skip him. As long as he's there's room for one more start for him, it should be. Because um, think of the way he came back after his blister. Yeah, lights out. It was dominant. Um, there has been a lot of talk with his struggles, although I guess Julio kind of sucked it up the past couple starts as well. But well, but now there's been talk of Fulty being in there and Freed being the bullpen arm. So you have another lefty. I could see that. I mean, Fulty's been. Outstanding. He had another great start against Washington the other night. He's uh, mowing folks down. Um, looks really good. Really poised. Really in control. You know, he's definitely making a push. Actually, I don't know if you can rest Max Free because we only have eight more games. Also, I'm saying just push him a couple days. Or that. Yeah. If you do yeah. that, let um, Kyle, some- Kyle Wright get a start or something like that. Sure. Um, maybe do the same thing with Soroka. I mean, Soroka looked pretty good today, but I, I would still. You know, these guys have eclipsed their previous innings, uh, the most amount of innings they've, they've pitched in their lives before. So down the stretch, especially when playing against San Francisco, Kansas City, and the Mets, it's like 
we can afford to yeah. take it a little easy. You know, if, Kyle if Wright, to. Bryce Wilson, and then that pushes everyone back a couple days and then just right. let them get their last start. You can pace out your bullpen now. you got all these arms up here. You can decide exactly which days each guy's going to pitch so they're tuned up. Yeah. Here's a hot take for you, Adam. So, uh, Nancy Swanson, since returning from his injuries, hit 156. He's looked pretty awful at the plate. Played, you know, his normal Dansby defense, at least the eye test says. But Hatch, do you dare, do you dare say Hatcheria should start? No. Considering Dansby is like an offensive uh, black hole right now. I mean, Hatcheria has a track record for being a less than mediocre bat. I mean, he's... Could you say the same thing about Dansby? Other than the start of this year, he hasn't really ever been like a beast offensively. And they, I mean, and that's being generous to even call him a beast at the beginning of this season, even though he did certainly hit better. Now he's a guy that is uh, barely you know worthy of an eight-hole spot if had offensively. But that that's Hetcheveria's ceiling, basically, is a decent 7-8 so, bat. So 273 with a 353 on base and a 500 slugging percentage is his, is his uh, floor, you say? Or ceiling, Are you a small me. samples guy now, Graham? We're saying over 44 games with us. That's what he's done. So you're a small samples guy now. I'm not saying I'm a fully small what, samples what about, what, guy. What, what about what, he's, what he did last year, the year before? That's what you always told me with Duvall. Yeah. Duvall had a terrible season last year, so he's not even a major leaguer. That's what you told me, Graham. Now Hetcheria's had a good 44 games. And how many at-bats? He's only had 51 at-bats. So do with that what you will. Yeah, it's a small sample size. Right. But would you? But we also talk about hot hand when we get close to the playoffs, too. I'm not saying Hedgefree is the hot hand, but before Dansby came back, he was pretty hot. It's too much of a, a, an issue at this point. Dansby is the guy. Yeah, you're not. But it's gonna, one of those things where at least you have to think twice about it. Uh, I feel like. I, I, I don't think you do. Like, unless Dansby's striking out four times a game. Like, you're not. We're winning with Dansby in the lineup, but that's just. I feel like Does that's. Does give you a better chance to win? Because he plays as good a defense and has performed better offensively over the last month and a half. In limited playing time. In limited playing time. But he did start like every day for at least three weeks. I feel like he's like a – he's kind of like once we started playing Charlie Culberson every day Mm -hmm. and he started just playing terribly. I feel like that's who Echeverry is. Probably right. I just – I don't know. He's a bench guy for a reason. It makes me think. It's just making me think recently because I just see Dansby. He looks, you know, it looks like last year, which looks lost. He just needs to swing out of it. Like, I, I feels like he's in spring training and he's figured a bunch of shit out. Hopefully, over the last eight games or something, he can he can he can figure his shit out. But I, I don't hold out a lot of hope there. Same thing with McCann. I mean, McCann's an offensive albatross at this point. Is he? Oh God! I'll give you some stats that you'll uh, that I actually looked up on my own, did my own calculations on Adam. Prepare yourself. Since over August and September, McCann is hitting 171, the 256 on base percentage, and a 240 slugging percentage. Ghastly. He's been kind of disgusting. Sli- Why is he sliding under the radar for being so shitty? Because everybody loves McCann. Yeah. And he also went on the IL for, you know, that week's. It does or feel like Tyler Flowers has been, been playing a lot more than him recently, huh? He's been performing a little better offensively than McCann. I still like the way McCann calls a game more than Flowers. I like his defense more because he hasn't, you know, let all these balls get past him like Flowers. But uh, offensively, I, I just I'm I can't say that I have any confidence in McCann. I feel like two out of your eight guys are auto outs right now on McCann and Dansby, which is which is frustrating. Yeah, they're certainly not clicking like they were back in June. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, good news is Marcakis has been, you know, he he's done. You know what I I hoped he would do, which I thought was a little unrealistic to expect. But since he's come back from his injury, lights out, hitting all, hitting all fields, looks like early season Marcakis, where he just goes on a run where he's hitting like three eighty over a month and a half. So perfect time. Yeah, his for broken that. wrist could have been a great thing it, for him. Certainly forced him to sit down for a month and a yeah. half. And once again, he's deepening the lineup. You slot Joyce sixth now, and that just makes you so much better because you have. McCann and Dansby at the back end who are hot trash offensively. So at least you feel pretty good about your, your one through six with Mark Hague is back. And I, 
I'm telling you, I have a little bit of hope that we're starting to see Austin Riley again. Based he's, off he's one been, home run. You a small sample size guy, Adam? He's been putting, it was before he even hit the home run. Uh-huh. He's, he's been putting together better at bats. And he has been going to right field a lot more. He's not, I mean, he's not Acuna striking out three times a game, every game. Are you looking up his stats right now? Who, Austin Riley? Yeah. Yeah, if ESPN would work for me. Yeah. We'll just have to go with my eye test. But we have to use him now with Camargo being out. And Colby. I, I think he has to be on the, he's, the he, roster. Yeah, he's going to be there. Um, Duvall, maybe. If you got Duvall, why do you need... I mean, if you got Riley, why do you need Duvall? I guess that's another... Backup outfielder. Out backup outfielder yeah. at this point. Riley's your backup infielder. Third base and first base. Ugh. Should shit go bad? Don't even say that, man. Don't even say that. That's just too that's too scary to think about. Um, or he's just a power potential battle. You'd rather have him over Billy Hamilton? The great Billy Hamilton? Yes. <laughs> I'm so sick of Billy Hamilton. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with him. I'd be, I'd be shocked if he made the postseason roster. So what is your... Um, what's your postseason <laughs> rotation right now? The, we, the weekly... Uh, the weekly postseason segment. rotation. Battle. In, in the order? In order. I'm going Soroka. All right. Keichel. Okay. Fulte. Tehran. You know what I will say in Tehran? Depends on who we're playing. Fair. I will say... Free to the bullpen. I will say in Tehran's defense, his last two starts have been against the Phillies. For, for whatever reason, he struggles against. Everyone else he plays, he does pretty decent. So maybe it's just a Phillies thing. Well, it's like also like, I don't think we could put Tehran in the bullpen. Freed's a guy that we could bring out of the bullpen. Yeah, if, if Soroka blows up for whatever reason, or even Fulty. I agree with you. Or if you. we need a lefty to get a tough out. Yeah, maybe. You don't really have... Cody Bellinger out. You don't Game really, 7 of the NLCS. Yeah, you don't really have a great lefty guy. I mean, you got Blevins. Blevins is our best guy right now. And that's about it. You even have Luke Jackson, who surprisingly, I feel like, gets lefties. I don't have you know stats in front of me. Uh, but it feels like he's able to pitch better against lefties sometimes, particularly with his, his slider. It feels like he hangs his slider with right-handers, but left-handers, for whatever reason, it's like it's a pretty good effective pitch. I'm not saying he's your go-to guy for le- against left-handers, but, I mean, him or Blevins at this point... You don't trust Newcomb anymore? No. Just the walks, man. He just walks people too much. The walks are coming back to bite him in the ass. He's lost the no-holds-barred, I'm going to grab my testicles and squeeze them as hard as I can and throw it down your throat. Can we send him to, like, Gulf Coast League for, like, a week? No, I mean, he's probably still going to make the playoff, playoff roster. But no, I know that, but I'm just saying that that's what happened last time. He gets sent down, comes comes up like a bulldog pissed off at this point it's too late I send him to medlock park for a fall league real quick or something yeah have him strike out some 10 year olds yeah no, that'd be good Did you see that that video? would force him you know in all seriousness that would force him to get really fine with his strike zone because you're facing kids that are like four feet tall so sure. yeah you better be throwing you know <laughs> you know right at their uh right at their chest which would be at the the knees of a major leaguer, so maybe that that would help him out in his location, right? Did you see the video of Bartolo Colon in the Dominican Republic? Is he playing? He was pitching to like twelve year olds. That's amazing. <laughs> the the one year removed from the major league, Bartolo Colon. Oh, and he was just was he even bigger. He was making them look like a fool. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I would I would hope so. He's yeah. twelve years old, right? Maybe we should give Bartolo a call. That longer lever. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with you. Bullpen's been pretty damn good. Yeah, I would agree with you on their top three. I think I'd still put Freed four. I like his stuff more for the playoffs, but I also don't totally disagree with your stance on saying that that could be a great guy out of the bullpen, maybe a little more so than Tehran. Um, but I, I just feel like even though I know Max has struggled, when he's on, he's on. And if you skip him a start, and then he gets one more start before the playoffs, and he's good to go, I would ride him as either your third or fourth guy, but Fulte has done enough over the last month-ish to warrant extreme consideration for the third rotation spot. Yeah, he's kind of a... He's certainly changed my mind here. Yeah. Uh, 
started off that small sample size bullshit, and these are the four guys that have been here all year. But I mean, he's just been dominant. Shutdown. Yeah, and it, that's I think what, we've won like eleven straight starts. He's pitched something just like, like that. Something crazy. Yeah, I know wins don't matter. Right. The point the, 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 when, I, when wins don't matter for a a pitcher's a pitcher's record doesn't matter. Wins for your team certainly <laughs> don't even matter. Oh, that's that's a confusing piece. So you want your team to win? Yeah, I don't give a shit if the the pitcher gets a win because win is such an arbitrary but bullshit if, stat. If there's you're so dependent on your team to get you the win, and the rules are stupid. You go five innings, you could give up seven runs, but hey, your team scores eight, and you and you get the win. You had a shitty start. I, I get that, but you see, so there is a difference with. The pitcher winning versus a pitcher pitching and his team winning a lot. Correct. While he pitches. Yeah. You can make the argument for Max Street for that. Usually he gets great run support and uh, wins a hell of a lot of games when and we win a hell of a lot of games when he starts. He has 16 wins, which once again, who cares? But at least that shows at the very end of the day that the team is winning when he goes out there. And there's a stretch where he won like, I don't know, 12 consecutive starts or something. Not he himself, but the team. Sometimes it's a weird fucking thing with that. We like, got we got some good. I feel I feel I can make an argument for all five guys. Um, so that's a positive. Yeah. I'm not gonna be like flabbergasted, no matter what comes out there. Unless they say Julio Tehran starting game one, then I'm going straight to SunTrust Park and protesting. I'm good. quitting my job. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a a crowd together and start screaming. What if we win the game and then you got. Soroka, Keikel, Fulty light up for the be a stroke of fucking genius. That would that would be like, a Snicker would have brass balls. Like there's just that. like some ridiculous splits about Julio Tehran pitching on like Thursday afternoons at four against yeah. a team that has five left-handed hitters in their lineup where he's got like a point three ERA. And they've hit a collective one for forty seven against them <laughs> in their career. Yeah, it's like some some, Some fucking podcaster stuff. found those right. sabermetrics for him. Sent them to Alex Anthopoulos. Sent a fax to... <laughs> a fax? <laughs> a fax to Snitker. I see him as a fax guy. Yeah, definitely. Big fax guy. And, uh, you know, you got to tear, like, the little white papers off the side of the fax paper there. Oh, yeah, right. Um, and then you open it up and see what you see. Yeah, yeah. You, you sent so, you the message. I mean, it could be a great move, actually. Yeah, I still don't want to do that. But, you know, it's fun to think about it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Acuna... Once again, being chastised for a little bit of lack of hustle the other night on the on uh, Gene Segura getting a hit uh, center field, Acuna approached it lackadaisically. Segura takes two on him when it should have just been a single. I didn't even know about that. Oh, well, it happened last night, and I didn't see it. I heard it on the way home from work on the radio, and Joe Simpson was, uh, you know, very promotional about out. it. Sure, he wasn't freaking out. He's just like, gotta be better than that. Yeah, he, he was. He was right. You know. Uh, and he, he continues to have a couple of these little moments. There was, um, I think that was also in Philly where he had thought he had robbed the home run. Yeah, that was really stupid. out of his glove. Like, you he, can't, it doesn't matter what you think. You do not decide what happens. Yeah, the ball, he, he made a great leap, he made a great effort, uh, had the ball, the ball falls out of his glove, and, and he thinks he had control of it, so he's just like pointing, going, what the hell, but the ball is on the ground, and the guy, whoever it was, I think it was Kingery, gets a, inside the park homer. And then even today, he dove for a ball that he probably shouldn't have dove in for. Got um, past him, and it was a triple, and it could have been a single. So, well, I can't. I mean, I hear that one, but I don't. At least not like At least he was giving max right. effort. Right. Those other two, though, and of course, no one can forget the uh, homer that wasn't. I, I I honestly don't concern myself with any of lack of hustle plays because I don't see that being concerned. In yeah. The playoffs. Yeah, I think once the playoffs roll around, there's going to be none. None of that's going to be laser focus. And and he's still ch- he's chasing this forty forty thing. He had his fortieth yeah. homer today. He's got thirty seven stolen bases. Yeah, so I, I think that's probably messing with him a little bit. He's only hitting two nineteen in September. He has had a couple of clutch hits. You know, the, the home run especially today, and then the big double uh, against the the Nationals on Saturday. But it's it's been it's been a little bit of a rough stretch for him since he, he started off August. So hot, was hitting like 380, and then by the end of August he's hitting 270. He just went. He's gone through a major, major slump over these last uh, last month and a half or so. Um, you still see signs of him being a. You know, he still does things that are important for the team. He helps the team win, scores runs, gets walks, can still hit for power. Uh, even though he's only got three homers this month, 
you know, you still see enough of from Acuna that you know he's still a great player, but he's not doesn't seem as locked in as he normally is. Uh, well, let me ask you a question, yeah. though. Or maybe it's a fatigue thing. I don't know. Um, Adam Duvall. He's been... He's had a huge September. Oh, yeah. What are his September... What's his September slash line? I don't know, but he's had a big September. Is this the thing you look at where possibly you play Adam Duvall in center and bench Acuna? Well, I think, you know, Duvall has won a gold glove before. Yeah. And... To not consider that like, would be foolhardy. Like you said, Graham, you got to play your hot hand. you got to understand that subjective awards truly validate if a player is good or not. And Acuna only has one subjective award in Rookie of the Year. Right. And, uh, you know, who cares about that? He's up against rookies. It's not like he's up against everyone in baseball. Sure. So, yeah, you know what? Maybe to send the kid a, you know, send the kid a message and say, Adam Duvall is taking over as your starting center fielder. And until you show me the effort, the hustle, and the absolute wherewithal to be a true Major League Baseball player, Ronald. So you're considering it? Absolutely not. I mean, that's, no. There's no chance in hell I'm considering that. Well, you considered Echeverria over Dansby for... It's not like Dansby has a track record of being a beast. Acuna hit 40 home runs this year. Stolen almost 40 bases. Has a good on-base percentage. But plays good right defense. Now. He's not hot right now, but he has a hell of a lot better track record than Dansby Swanson does. Well, considering his, he's been the most, he's been one of the most productive players on the team this year overall. We're not comparing Acuna to Dansby. We're comparing Dansby to Hechevarria. Yeah, but we're comparing. You're comparing the situations. I don't know what I'm comparing anymore, Graham. That's fair. We're going to go with our normal starting nine. Of course we are. <laughs> the debate is fucking yeah. bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's hot. That's going to be who's out there. Right. Oh, cakes and left is kind of weird. It is weird seeing them out there. I don't know how I feel about that. Does it look- the, the, the impetus behind that apparently was that they consider right field more, uh, you have to cover more territory, which is why but, uh, Mark Higgins isn't left. But Joyce, no, it's Joyce is more comfortable in right than left. Is that also the case? Yeah. No. So Marcakis said he was willing to play left. I heard that they were afraid that there was too much ground to cover for Marcakis. He's played out there for the last like I know, twelve but years. I think he broke his wrist, not his legs. That's true. I don't know. I read that in some elitist athletic article. That, that's horseshit. <laughs> they they, feed, they 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 take the people, take who, the people, who pay for the money for the articles, fighting for the people, and feed you trash infogram. You got to listen to Atlanta's own. A free Atlanta sports podcast. But they only put out one yes. episode a week. How am I supposed to get the content I need of only one episode a week? I'm and not cute. It's usually three days behind. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. But it'll be accurate. We'll be accurate. It's all factually checked. Let's, let me, let's think about uh, all the times we've been inaccurate. We forgot to mention Francisco Cabrera is one of the best uh, pinch hitters in Brace history. Uh, you said the Mets... Actually, you know what? Retroactively, you were right about that. Murray said the Mets sucked, and then it was during that hot stretch they had, and then yeah. at the end of the year, they did suck. Yeah. So maybe, you, yeah, maybe we are. We don't look at it. Maybe we got stone-cold facts here. Yeah. Brought I mean, to you by uh, Coors Light. Our, gut, our guts are generally right, and that's what we go with. Sure. Just like Snit. Just like Snit. The mighty Snit. Well, hopefully the next time we talk to you guys, we will have clinched the division. If we haven't, then maybe we're in a little bit of trouble heading into October baseball. I hope the Nationals miss the playoffs. That would be great. That would be mo- most pleasing. I think they dropped two or three of the Cardinals. Cardinals are playing hot baseball right now, Adam. Yeah, that sucks. I really don't like that. <laughs> the good news is, I think, uh, if we consider the uh, the rosters and everything, we have. I think we're better across the board. But sometimes that doesn't matter. Not against the, the Cardinals. Play. Yeah, the Cardinals are historically playoff beasts. I mean, they won the World Series after only winning 83 games or something like that in 2006. So. They've eliminated us. I think that was the year they eliminated us. That was not. That was 2006. They've eliminated us. We have a twisted history with the Cardinals that I want to just touch on for a second. 2011 was the year that we choked away the nine-game lead or nine-and-a-half-game lead, whatever it was, for the wild card. You know, we were having a really good season, and then September happened, and we just sucked. And the Cardinals got in because And the of Cardinals us. got in because of us, and they went on to win the World, World Series, Series because of us. That was our World Series. Yes, flash forward to 2012. 
The Braves win the wild card in convincing fashion. They have a much better team. They don't choke down the stretch. Um, because the wild card expands to five teams, we have to play the Cardinals in the wild card game, and then they beat us. If you had flipped the script from last year, the, the year before that, we would, we would have, have still gotten to the game. Yeah, we still had a wild card. It's just a bunch of bullshit. I don't like to play in the and Cardinals. Chris in the Medlin playoffs. started that one game. Chris right? Medlin started in the, and the, the wild card game. Did not have a good start. No, he pitched fine, and then Shipper threw the ball over Dan Ogle's head on the what should have been an ending inning double play, and uh, we just it just snowballed from there. Shipper makes that play, we probably win that fucking game. Oh, here's a question for you. This is a good one. All right, this is a Hugo type question. Yeah, in their primes, which tandem do you take? Shipper at third, Dan Ugly at second, or Donaldson at third, Ozzy Albies at second. Ugly in his prime, like before he was on the Braves. Because <laughs> uh, if that's the question, I take Chipper and Ugly. <laughs> we'll say the Ugly's prime with the Braves. So that one month in August where he was hitting, had that 36 game hitting streak or whatever it was. Yeah. Chipper in his prime? Like 99 Chipper? Sure. I'll take Chipper and Ugly. Okay. Because even though Ugly had, you know, a, just one that one good month, he was quite productive, hit a bunch of homers. Donaldson and Ozzy give you better defense, and arguably maybe, but but Chipper in his prime and Ugly give you more power. Ugly's more power, and uh, Donaldson's probably more power than Chipper though. Yeah, but Chipper hit forty five bombs that year without steroids. Well, for picking ninety nine, yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a good one though. What, I think, I think what about two thousand twelve? Chipper Ugly versus two thousand nineteen Donaldson. Albies. Oh, I definitely take 2019 Donaldson Albies. 2012 Chipper and Ugla versus 2018 Donaldson Albies. Ooh, that's tough. Donaldson's so banged up. <laughs> 2012 Chipper had that fucking clutch factor, but Dan yeah, Ugla yeah. hits 196 during like the 2012 yeah, season. So I think you. I think uh, if I could take Donaldson during that two week stint he had with the Indians where he played pretty well, I'd probably still even though Albies was, you know. Worthless offensively down the stretch, I'd probably still take Donaldson Albies at that point. But that's a, I, that makes me think a lot, especially because I think, yeah, Dan Ogle's just an albatross at that point, offensively and defensively. You got to yeah. take Donaldson Albies there. We could do this all day. Yeah, keep uh, going. this is great. <laughs> 2006, not positive, I'm not here. let's say 2005 for Call mm. Giles mm-hmm. versus 2000, beginning of 2019, Dansby. Always. I think better def- defense and and comparable offensive statistics. Different offensive statistics. Giles definitely had more power, but uh, I'll take the consistency of Albies, the, the gold glove worthy defense of Albies and Swanson over those guys. Okay. Even though you get better speed with for call, arguably. Although Ozzy's pretty damn fast. I think Ozzy's become the, one of the Braves' most complete players. He actually is hot. Uh, he had a hot August, hot September. He's hitting 330 or something like that in September. Just consistent as they come. He might, you know, he's flirting with trying to hit for 300 during the whole season. They haven't been, it's not a season where he's got like a ridiculously high batting average and balls in play. He's been excellent the whole year. He has never really dipped. Maybe he had that one stretch maybe in like April or May where he was like, you know, I was like, oh God, here's Crash and Burn Ozzy. But ever since then, consistent as they come. Another 20-homer season, but he's done it in a better way, I think, than last year. It wasn't like, oh, I got hot and hit 12 home runs in May, and now I'm just going to swing for the fences. He's just steady but sure. He's matured. Yeah, for sure. And I got one more. Last one. But you have to answer in one one word. Oop, okay. Or just say A or B, okay? All right. A, 2012 outfield of up, up, and hey. Mm-hmm. Versus B. That's 2013 outfield. 2013 up, yep. up, and hey. Mm-hmm. Versus B. Current outfield of Marcakis, Acuna, Joyce. Hmm. I probably take the the up, up, and a hey. Over Acuna. Well. No, I keep forgetting that like Giles, uh, not Giles, uh, 
like Joyce is so good. He just doesn't seem like he should be so good. No, I, I got to take the latter, okay. the latter bit, just because even though I love Jay Up and Jay Hay. Jay uh, Hay kind of sucked though. He had a no, good, was, he had a good season. Good yeah. Well, he got hit in the face and he got put in the leadoff spot and then did better. But uh, yeah, BJ Up was just was just an albatross. And Justin Upton was either hot or really cold. So, yeah, you got to go with the, the latter, even though it's not as flashy uh, you, you, you overall. But you have Acuna, who's just better than everybody. So, so B. So B. Got it. Yeah. Didn't answer you in one word, but, you know, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Adam, let's move on to America's team, the Atlanta Falcons, who played one of the most bizarre football games I've ever seen on Sunday Night Football. Winners 24 to 20 against the Eagles at a pretty crowded Mercedes-Benz Stadium that actually consisted of a decent amount of Falcons fans. Yeah, I have a different outlook. Um, you can pretty much take everything I said last week and completely Sh- shove it up your ass. Exactly. Um, yeah, the Benz was loud. Yeah, people were there. Yeah, looked like a lot of uh, red shirts. Yeah, I mean, you saw your 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 token Philly fans. They're you know scattered about. You saw some green, but overall. Other than the beginning of the second half where, you know, people were coming back from, you know, going to the bathroom and shitting their brains out and puking everywhere <laughs> from nervousness of being a Falcons fan, uh, Ben's looked pretty full, and it was rowdy. Very rowdy. That was like, it was like a Georgia Dome environment. It was actually a home field advantage. Yeah, we even got the Eagles to false start a couple of times. I was like, good job, guys. Yeah. Um, I saw somebody on the Reddit complaining about, they had they were like Eagles fans and they went to the game and they were commenting on how hot it was in there because the stupid roof was open. Whatever, <laughs> get over yourself. <laughs> you know the fact that like it's a negligible difference, honestly, with the roof being open. I don't know about the temperature, but it's just the like, temperature. Yeah. Oh, he's just he was talking about the game. He was just saying his comfort level as a fan. You go to the football game, like get the fuck over it. But I think his point was if it were like an open air stadium, it wouldn't be that hot. But because you're in a confined butthole that's just oh, slightly open, sure. yeah, slightly so, the open. A, so the ACs all go it out. Yeah, but uh, it's just a you know, butthole, so it's right. It gets cool. really hot. It's pretty steamy. cramped in there. Yeah. It's true to Atlanta, though. Yeah, you know, in the sense that you know you, you feel our humidity. It's good more point. so than you would if it was open air. Right. Yeah. So it, it actually it plays. Yeah, totally. Um, Where do we begin with this game? This is though, tough. Though? It was weird. Deshaun Jackson doesn't play a snap. Alshon Jeffrey doesn't play a snap. Carson Wentz looks like he's never thrown a football. Matt Ryan looks like he's never thrown a football. Devontae Freeman sucks again. Ido Smith does well in limited action once again. Six carries, I think like 31 yards or something like that. Um, Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley gets a sack. He should have had two sacks. Yeah, but it was nice to see him stick with the play and finish. Unlike the the week ago, uh, or the week, excuse me, the week before that against Kirk Cousins where he just slowed up on this play and looked like he was uh, trying out for dance class in, in high school or something. Very, very odd. Tack did not get a sack, but he was all over. All over the place? All over Carson Wentz. Hit him three or four times. It was great. I like this rapid fire. Isaiah Oliver comes back, wins the game for he us. He looked terrible initially, though. Getting penalties. He didn't. He was not looking oh, strong. Oh, in the game. Yeah, in the game. And then... Makes the big play at the end on fourth down to stop Zach Ertz. He, I mean, I, he was looking better the second half. Overall, yeah, but the first sure. half it was like dumpster fire. Yeah. You're like, oh, Christ. And mm-hmm. then he really, you know, figured his shit out. It was great. That was a tackle and a half. Yes. That, you know what was funny when that happened? I was like, fuck, well, they're going to get the first down now. Because I thought it was third down. And Alexa was just like, no, they won. I was like, no, they didn't. You, were, you don't know. He was like, no, that was it. The game is over. And I was like, no, it's not. And then... I was like, first down. Oh, what a game. How? I was in a weird state watching that game. Me too. I was just like upstairs by myself watching it. And I was like chipping golf balls pretty much the entire game. Very nervous. Uh, Nervous, getting mad, starting to get excited, then getting mad with that horrendous pick in the end zone. Let's talk about Matt Ryan, man. Five picks so far in the season. Three in this game alone. And it wasn't just the picks that were concerning. You know, we already had, this is, I think, Matt's, what, second red zone interception of the year so far? One for each game? Yep. It wasn't just the picks that are bad. The accuracy wasn't there on a lot of throws. There are a lot of bad decisions being made by Matt. I'm usually the biggest Matt Ryan apologist there is, but he looked awful. And I think he was bailed out a little bit by how good his receivers were. 
And it wasn't just the picks. It was overthrows. Hardy, wide open on a big, deep throw. Missed him. Ridley, wide open on another deep throw. Missed him. Third time, he got Ridley on a big, yeah, deep throw, which was, times, which was nice. Yeah. But it's like, Matt you can't miss doesn't those, man. miss those usually. Yeah. Uh, and if he does, usually it's his receiver's bad. But this time, it, it, it was not. And even on other plays, you know, it's like incompletions were off. Uh, they were not crisp passes. They were off target. They weren't. He wasn't leading his receivers well, it seemed like. And he just didn't look like himself. And once again, the pressure got to him. And I, you know, it's hard to blame the offensive line totally for that because we were literally getting blitzed on every play. They were playing cover zero, no safety up top, sending corner blitzes like every play. It was like, it was like NFL blitz, suicide blitz every play. He said it was the most pressure he's ever seen in his life. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. And that one pick where uh, he was trying to throw a deep ball, I can't remember who it was to, but he underthrew it. And I think he underthrew it because he thought he was going to get hit. And he wasn't, but, I mean, there was pressure coming to him, but he had time to make a better throw, and he just underthrew it. I think that was in the, the second half, but uh, he was he was bad. That was one of the worst Matt Ryan games I've ever watched. That was almost as bad as that one game against, I think, the Cardinals in 2010 or something. He threw, like, five picks in a game, and it was just like, what the hell is going on here? Usually if Matt has a bad game, though, he cleans it up in the next week, and he comes out strong. He's had two bad games so far this year. I'm not ready to push the panic button because I've seen enough of Matt Ryan to know um, that he is he is a, a great quarterback in this league. But I feel a little less confident heading into this game in Indianapolis than I would normally during the Matt Ryan era. But also, he got it done when he needed to. True. True. He, he engineered a, a good drive near the end. What did you think about that play called Julio? Of screen? Yeah. It had to be executed perfectly, and it was. When you, when you see that shit in slow motion, yeah. you see those videos of yeah. like uh, just the intricacies of when Sanu has to hold off, like Sanu has to start to run, look like he's running around, and then just come back for that block, and everything just has to work perfect. Well, there same, has to be enough time yeah. for Jake Matthews to get out there. He crushed that man. Okay. That man has no soul anymore. I know. He like ripped his throat out it looked like he just, yeah that's he, like a madding pancake that, yeah, it was a big pancake and it wasn't just a pancake he like drove him into the ground too and just stayed on him yeah and I was like oh my god it was beautiful Julio the same way he's got a fake like he's gonna do a big go route and then come back and catch it you know and, and then take and then try to take it to the house but Julio man only five catches but 106 yards and two two touchdowns and he was a, a man amongst boys in that game that last play especially was just, once he got past the first one. There was no chance. I knew was, it was over. Yeah, there's no chance he was getting caught. Running damn 20 miles an hour like a fucking gazelle. Yeah, what, a, what an absolute monster. I mean, and Calvin Ridley looks like he's getting to star status as well. He's, like, the, he's the number two receiver now. Yeah. but I, mean, I, I love most Sanu, but he's clearly the number two receiver. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know when Matt Ryan has the confidence to throw to him in double and triple coverage like he does with Julio. Right. That has the confidence that Ridley's going to go up and get it, yep. if not, not let it be intercepted. Right. Um, we've got something special there, but I don't know about you. I feel pretty good about Dirk Cutter, man. I was really happy to see the vertical passing game actually come out in this one. The play calling was was better in terms of like how the plays actually were designed. I mean, you still had your little dump off screens and things like that, but it felt like we were trying to throw the ball down the field. It wasn't just like here's a four yard pass, here's a five yard pass. It was like we're mixing it up, we're trying different things. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was better offensively despite the interceptions, and I can't really fault Cutter for the interceptions because he's not throwing the damn ball. But for, for me, like just hearing the aftermath of that play that was drawn up, they had had that screen to Julio as like a check down, and they were trying to bait the Eagles into sending all those blitzers so that they could run that play. So they they had, playing the long game. Yeah, so like yeah. Th- that that whole drive, I think there were, I mean, there were only like five or six plays, mm-hmm. but that was their play they wanted to set up. Yeah. So they were trying to get the Eagles to do what they did and bring the house. That's, and then as yeah. soon, like, it was instantly Matt Ryan saw it, checked down to that, and then it was just, yeah, it was just, once those blocks were there, it's game over. Well, so well, I, I feel like that's just like something, it's maybe I just never hear that side of it, but I don't see Sark having the know-how Probably not. To bait someone into a certain defense. No. 
and then have the perfect answer. Like that's some Shanahan shit. Yeah, no, that was that was good plotting uh, for sure. If that's if that was the case, which sounds like it was. You know your sources. It's on Atlanta's own, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got to be real. Here, here, it's right. It's got to be real. Running game was bad though. Again, and the Eagles do have a strong front four, and we faced two bad front. I start not they're bad. Two really good front fours uh, to open the season. What do we? I mean, I'm seeing nothing from Devontae. I, I want despite the fact he's going up against good defense. I think you got to get to like a 60-40 split. Yeah, Ito, you know, last week averaged six yards a carry. This week he averages eight yards a carry. He only had four carries. But he has thirty-two yards. Every time he gets the ball, it's like he's explosive. It's dynamic. He, he, he makes a play out of nothing. He can cut like a madman. Yeah, um, change direction on a dime. Ito looks like something great. I, I mean. 70-30. Give me 70-30 split between him and Devontae sure. at this point. I'd be in full support of that motion, Adam. Mm. Good. And something's got to give, though. But I think we'll see. If there's one game for Devontae to bust out, it'll be next week. The Colts have been gashed on the ground uh, to open the season in both games. They've historically not had the best defensive line uh, in the world. So I would really like to see us try to... Th- slam the ball down their throats, maybe give Matt, it'd be nice to give Matt a week to, you know, not have to feel like he has to be the hero. He is having to throw the ball a lot. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but, you know, given these interceptions, if we can try to figure out how to force the run more and really break down this, you know, supposedly weak Colts defensive unit, maybe we can see Devontae have a big game. Or if he can't, right, he do. And, and, and make this split a little more even, like you're saying. I think he's earned that at this point. So, I mean, we're only two games in, and uh, in fairness to Devontae, who I shit on big time last week, he had a couple moments uh, that he had that pretty big play. I think it was a screen pass to him where he kind of looked like the old Devontae Freeman. Yeah, I mean, when he was receiving, he, you know, was okay. I mean, three catchers, 42 yards, had a, a decent day receiving the, uh, receiving the football. It's just his primary job is to run it, and if he's not doing anything there, he's... Unless you're really using him like in an Austin Eckler kind of way, like the, the Chargers user, they're there throwing the ball to him seven, eight times a game. He doesn't bring a lot of value to the to the field, not just from a fantasy football perspective, but from a reality football perspective. Hmm. But we'll, we'll see how it's, it plays out. Yeah, there's no reason to give up on him, but you're exactly right. Ido needs more touches, Yeah, hands down. Yeah. Um, something else I was thought was pretty promising, our offensive line, Graham, did you see the breakdown of the ver- our very first snap yeah. and what our offensive line did to and, their defensive line? Right, and how Devontae still only got like three yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah that well, was perfect Forget blocking. about that, but <laughs> that was perfect we blocking. just pushed their asses back. Oh, yeah. Like everyone, like Carpenter looked like a beast. McGarry Matthews. looked like a beast. McGarry earned some, some big brownie points. He played very well. He was also banged up a little bit. Hopefully he can play this I thought season. he was going to be done for the season. Yeah. No, he he was like, I'm not leaving my brothers out And there. he comes back in the fourth quarter? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Now that, that showed me a lot of heart. Uh, no pun intended since I know he has the, the heart issues. Or I'm not trying to make light of his, his situation there. Uh, but Disrespectful. Very disrespectful. disrespectful. But he showed a lot of heart. I was very pleased by that, especially when you don't really know the middle makeup of a guy yet because he's only been in your organization for two games. That showed me a lot. That made me pull just for him. Every, everything I've seen from him, he, he just see, is such a likable character. Like, I don't know shit about Lindstrom, like who he is as a person. Right. He kind of strikes me, Lindstrom kind of strikes me as just like an Alex Mack, which is good. Yeah. I don't know anything about Alex Mack. No. But he shows up every day. Does his job. Plays football, does his job. That's who I think Lindstrom is. Right. McGarry's a lot more outspoken. He's like this goofball from Washington, and he, he just truly loves playing football. Yeah. Um, and that certainly came across on Sunday night, and this was such a big game to win. If you go down 0-2, the wheels start falling off the, the, the car big time. Well, they're, they're just like... The NFC South all of a sudden just looks so winnable. It's become the most winnable division in football. Cam Newton is screwed. Yeah, Cam Newton, I don't know what the hell is... He, he may never play football again. Has he got mental health issues? I think he is bruised, battered, and beaten emotionally and physically, and he can't play like he used to. One of the biggest strengths of his game is to run the ball and look like a linebacker taking out your safeties and just beating the shit out of you on the ground and with his arm. And he can't effectively use either of those tactics 
Uh, at this point, at this juncture, he has, I think, negative one yards rushing this year. Definitely. Only like four or five attempts between in two games. That's crazy. So Matt Ryan's a bigger rush threat than him now. Yeah. And Drew Brees is out for God knows how long with some ligament damage to his thumb he suffered in the uh, Rams game. Six weeks. Well, six weeks, but that that's the projected time frame. It yeah. could be longer. We don't, yeah. I don't know. It could be shorter. But now is the time, and, and the, the Buccaneers are the Buccaneers. You know, they're, they're terrible, so we don't really have to worry about them as much. But the Buccaneers are your biggest threat right now. I know. Even though Jameis doesn't look that great, you still got a respectable coach in Bruce Arians. Chris Godwin has really solidified himself as their number one receiver. Peyton Barber looks decent on the ground. Their defense is trash, but whatever. And Jameis, even though he's not the best quarterback in the world, is serviceable enough to, to win football, a football game. So Would have been studying Bucks tapes or something? Well, I mean, I'm just I try to keep up with what's going on in the division. Um, and they have a very easily winnable game on the road or no at home against New York Giants. So they're probably going to be 2 and 1. So you got you got to keep pace with them. Right, the the hope is that the Saints do struggle. I mean, they looked all right with Teddy Bridgewater and I think he'll be better this week. He's probably one of the best backups in the league. He was yeah, he was thrown into a very unenviable position having to be on the road in Los Angeles against a good defense uh and you know, probably not being a 100% prepared. I mean, you never think Drew Reese is going to go down. No. So it's like, it, it, it was a shock. So ho- hopefully the best they do is tread water. Yeah. And we can gain a little ground before we actually get into division play, which is so dumb that we don't get into division play until like week 10. Yeah, until that like five game stretch. Yeah. Um, if you can put yourself in a position where you, you got a, a, a nice little lead there, you'll, you'll we'll be in a good spot. Even if we were to drop a game against the Saints, you know, if, if we're already two or three games ahead, it's okay. Well, Matt Bryant, woof. I mean, he had your, one your big boy. he had one big make, and he had one huge miss. That was the worst kick I've ever seen him attempt. He also had to kick off uh, because Matt Bosher was hurt, and I don't want Matt Bryant ever kicking off again. I think that screwed with his rhythm. I'm gonna stick by it. Oh, that's your excuse. That's my excuse. Hey, you, you no, that was a bad miss. I can't, I can't make an okay. excuse for that. I mean, I honestly, I think everyone thought it was blocked. Even Al Michaels that. said it was blocked. He's like, that ball was blocked, and they should replay it. And they're like, oh, no. He just shanked the fuck out of it. Like someone who's never kicked a football Tell in their who, life. Who would have made that? Drew Zutivecchio. <laughs> he probably would have shanked it even worse. He probably would have kicked it behind him somehow, defied the laws of gravity. I'm not going to freak out about Matt Bryant yet, because um, he's also... Did what he had to do. He made all his extra points. Made a field. Made a made his other field I, goal. It's okay. I tell you what, I'm always going to cheer for the Falcons, but man, is that going to be a sweet conversation on this podcast in about eight weeks if Matt Bryant's an issue? He still made a 50 yard kick. If if he's an issue, and he clearly is over the hill, that's going to be a sweet conversation between me and you, Graham. That's going to be a very sad conversation between me. It, and you. It'll be sad but gratifying. So do you want Matt Bryant to fail? I don't, but... Part of you does. I can see it. You have this little glint in your eye like, I told you so, idiot. I do like being right. I hope you're very wrong. He made all three of his extra points and also made a 50-yard field goal. <laughs> he so looking, I'm not concerned. He is looking better than Adam Vinatieri. That's going to be an interesting Woof. matchup. Between Did you hear they tried out six kickers this week? The Colts because of Vinatieri struggles. Six? six. Was Giorgio one of them? No, but uh, the old Legends kicker was part of it. Oh, uh, I can't remember his name. Jin... <laughs> like you just stopped yourself <laughs> I can't remember the Georgia State kicker yeah yeah. I liked him yeah he's good they didn't sign anyone though they're sticking with Vinatieri I don't know I just I heard about this uh, yesterday the day before they're probably just going to have a tryouts every single week until they have to make the move probably they'll probably give him another chance I mean he's done well for their franchise I mean Jesus Christ he's one of the best kickers ever he's also your last 1990s NFL football player when he goes, we truly have, have grown up. Some guy was posting um, about he's done fantasy football for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like before internet, where you had to like... Sit down in a room together. And well, you sit down in a room together, but then like even every week, like you don't see the stats live. Right. So the commissioner has to wait until the stats come oh, in, in a newspaper. Read box scores. Read box scores. Jesus assign Murphy. points. And then mail... Mail mail the result the the results and standings oh, to each God. person. Imagine being a a fantasy football commissioner back then. That's a different deal. That so, is an actual job. So, so he was saying like every year, uh, it, like when you do your 
draft, like people give money for postage. Sure. Yeah. Things like that. Right, yeah. So you don't actually know how you did until like Thursday or so. Right. And then if you want to make trades or free agency, once a month you meet again. Oh and just God. have – which sounds really fun. <laughs> That's when you like wow. just go at it for like a few hours and do all your wheeling and dealing. Mm. But anyways, he showed his draft from like 1995 – and Vinatieri was taking yeah. like the sixth round or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he's been around for a very, very long time. Yeah. I think he's forty-seven or forty-six. Yeah, he's old. Yeah. yeah. So, I uh, how do you feel about this Colts game? No Andrew Luck, obviously. Jacoby Brissett has been solid. Um, they're a decent team, no doubt. But we should win it. I agree. I think we should go in there and take care of business. I think I- we have better personnel. I saw enough last week. Our defense looks like it could be a true force. We didn't really get to see our defense in week one because of the terrible positions they were put in. Well, the problem, here's what I want to see. You know, show me that same fire, that same vigor that you had on Sunday night. Because it's hard to judge the defense's effort when Carson Wentz literally missed on 18 of his passes because he was clearly rattled. He was, he was effed up. I don't know what was going on with him. I know he's missing Jackson and Jeffrey. But Lord God, he's normally a very, very good quarterback. Yeah. Um, so, it, but so it, it's tough to give. I mean, the defense did play, did their job well enough, and that game shouldn't have even been close. It should have been a blowout. If Matt hadn't kept throwing picks, we, we probably won that game thirty to six or something. I just thought one damn blowout, Graham. It'd be nice. Can't we just have a painless game? No, there's no such thing as a painless game as a Falcons. Like every game is going to come down the you, last. You possession, get you right? get one painless game every like four years. That's it. Like, this should have been that game. You're right. Like, yeah. If we had... If we had taken care whatever, of football. Whatever. We, won okay. we still won. Yeah. But what I want to see is is that, you know, Brissett, I imagine, will be more accurate than Wentz. Which might be weird to say, but Wentz had an absolutely awful game. Can we, you know, supply the same pressure? You're, you're facing a very big test against the Colts offensive line. It's one of the most renowned offensive Well, they pound the ball with Marlon Mack. They pound the ball with Marlon Mack, and they had excellent pass protection. So Vic Beasley, Tack, you know, Grady, what you got this week? Hey, our, our run defense was stout last yeah, week. Yeah, only, only gave up 28 yards. They didn't do shit. Yeah. So that had something to do with it as well. Yes, forced them to, and, uh, to throw a lot. It, it was... It was also, you know, I got to also shout out Desmond Trufant. Two picks. A pick also sitting on his wallet when he fell over the ball, just like went right to him for some reason. He looks like a man possessed. He's got just so much energy. He just goes after every play with such passion. I've never seen him play like this, even when everyone considered him to be really good. I never saw him out there just like ball hawking the way he does or maybe if he did I've forgotten because he's been so crappy the last year or so yeah keep in mind he had zero picks last year yeah no he, he has two two yeah and uh one of those the first one was a hell of a play as well it was it was it wasn't like I mean it was a bad throw but he went up and made the play it wasn't it was one of those things where it's like if that happens last year he either misreads the play or bounces off his hands you know he he did it when he absolutely needed to yeah. And he, like, even last, you know, and even the, the, the Vikings game, I know they only threw the ball ten times, but he was never challenged. So he must have been blanketing whoever he was covering, whether it be Thielen or Diggs, depending on the uh, offensive setup. So I'm excited about a lot of players on this team now. Yeah. Last week was all gloom and doom, but I'm just so stoked about these trenches right now, Graham. Yeah, trenches. I'm, not, I'm generally a skill, a skill position guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, this trenches, like Tyler Davidson, the guy we got from the Saints. He was it's such a perfect tandem with him and Grady. Yeah. Because um, he plugs the hole. Right. He's not going to put up a huge stat line, but he, he does what – what was that super fat guy we had that came from the Packers? Um, On this current oh, – no, I think I'm going way back. Who, oh, oh, I know you're talking about that huge guy who was like 360 yeah. pounds or whatever. Yeah, this was, yeah I can't – it was like – Like he had fed on a – baby weight Rod Coleman, like the, the pass rusher, but then the – I can't remember the other guy's name, but he was amazing. Uh, I was like, I gotta look him up now because like he was such a joy to watch. But also, like, he, the, I'm gonna search huge defensive <laughs> tackle, 365 pounds, <laughs> mid 2000s. Terrence Cody is the first guy that came up. I don't think that's him. Not him. We'll, we'll say like Packers or Falcons. No, Falcons. 
That's a terrible scene. Not Don Terry Poe. Don Terry, um, but Don Terry Poe's Don Terry Poe served that with, with yes, Grady. Yes. Which we didn't have. I really got to find out who the hell that guy was, though. I'll uh, just look up the 2000, like. Dude, 2010 team. It wasn't 2010. I, th- I think it was on the. Yeah, it was 2005. No. I just searched 2005. It's going to bring back what I want. What was his name? Damn it. Another Grady. Oh, yeah, that's right. His name was Grady. I can't What was his last name? Grady Jackson. Grady Jackson. Plugged the hole. I really enjoyed him. He only played like 20, 25 snaps a game, but he was, uh, he was a treasure to watch in the trenches. But the point is, that that's what Tyler Davis, and he, he's filling that role now. He's not quite as big. No, he's not that big. <laughs> he doesn't need to be. I don't think anyone's that big anymore. Yeah, no one needs to be that big. Everyone's kind of in shape now. Even if you're a fat guy in the NFL, you're still an in-shape fat guy. Sure. Uh, it's a different game now. But, um, I'm, yeah, I'm just, just excited about these trenches, Graham. I'm seeing some, something I haven't seen the past couple of yeah, years. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing uh, Isaiah Oliver's progression, how that works out. And then I want to, yeah, I think, once again, I, I want to see Tack get that same sort of pressure on Brissett. I want to see Vic do something with his life again. Grady's been beautiful the first two games. He doesn't need to prove anything to me, but those two guys need to keep proving stuff to me. And they both did a good job. Tack, even though he didn't get a sack, I thought was arguably the best player in the defensive line that night. The amount of pressure he was getting on, on Wentz was outstanding. If Tack keeps playing like he did Sunday night, the sacks are going to come. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. For sure. So hopefully we have good news after this weekend's game. 1 o'clock start against the Colts in Indianapolis. So see what happens. Kind of nice to just do a show, just the two of us again. Yeah. Last last week was fun, but that, that was a lot of pressure, man. It was a lot of pressure. I feel like I had to do a lot more than I'm. I'm, nor, I'm I can't even like speak. I, I'm okay with being uncomfortable to speak right now. Like where I, like the words just don't come out my mouth correctly because I'm not embarrassing myself in front of you know people in front of me. I'm just embarrassing the the hundreds of users out right. there who put up with our bullshit every week. Well, it's just a lot simpler like this way. It's like I know you're gonna talk. You're gonna set things up, and then when you stop talking, I'm gonna regurgitate whatever I've been thinking about for the last couple minutes and then you'll probably agree with me or not and then we debate or talk over me or talk over you i gotta talk over you <laughs> i have to say what you're gonna say too when you have a good point as well right yeah you did that earlier this show i, I said something about um i don't know what the hell it was and then you repeated the exact same thing like two minutes like it was your idea i was like that's fine that's, fine, that's, that's what we do that's part of the show <laughs> But last week it's like, okay, we gotta let this person talk, now we gotta let this person talk. Right. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. Indeed. We're two man show. But it's always fun to visit with friends. It is. So I think that wraps up today's episode of Elena Zone, Adam. Unless you have anything else you wanna regurgitate. Uh no, I think we we hit on everything that's on my mind, Graham. Alright. Well everyone, thanks for listening, wherever you are and however you're listening to the show. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.